Um, Katie is the first of our um, holy trinity of members of our church family here at St. Giles who are going to be um, preaching to us over the next three weeks. We've got Katie and then we have Rachel White and then we have Jonathan Mole. So Katie, it'd be wonderful to hear from you. Press the top button until it goes green. You're green. Fantastic. You are on. Lord God, open our ears, our eyes, and our hearts that we may hear and receive your word. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about the holiness of the church. So I wonder what you think of when you consider the holiness of the church. Tall steeples reaching to heaven, stained glass windows depicting Christ, choir boys processing as they sing angelically, Robed priests benevolently blessing the congregation. People kneeling in hushed reverential prayer. Over the past three weeks, we've looked at the holiness of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. We've considered how holiness means set apart, separate or other. We've heard how this relates to God himself, how he is set apart from all that is sinful, impure or morally imperfect. We've also heard how his holiness signifies moral wholeness and purity. John Piper, an American theologian and pastor, writes, God is holy in that he is set apart from all that is evil and effective and impure. He is absolutely free from any taint of evil or deficiency. In Isaiah 6.3, we read of the seraph singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holiness evokes adoration and reverence. God is holy and we worship him as holy. We also see this in the transfiguration of Jesus in Matthew 17 too. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. And again in Revelation 1.16, His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. If this is what holiness means, how then can the church be holy? How is the church set apart? How is the church free from sin? How is the church spiritually pure? Firstly, we are not God. As John Piper comments, the holiness of God is the most fundamental reality of all. It refers to the reality that God is utterly unique and in a class of himself. That's his set-apartness. None compares with him. There is no other creator, no other sustainer, no other final measure of good and evil. He is utterly set apart in a class by himself, unequaled, unrivaled, totally underived, absolute in his being and perfection, without beginning or ending, or improvement. So God is entirely set apart by his holiness, the essence of otherness. God is completely absent of even a trace of sin. God is entirely perfect, transcendent, and spiritually pure, more so than we can imagine. Throughout the Old Testament, God chose his people, the Israelites, to be set apart for him, for a special purpose, with the tribe of Levi's being even more holy because they were set apart as God's priests. 
signify their holiness, they underwent specific rituals of consecration to ensure their holiness. The temple was called holy because it was set aside for a special purpose and it was God's dwelling place. Priests were holy because they were set aside for a special purpose. Even the furniture in the temple was holy because it was set aside for a special purpose. God wanted his people to be significantly different to the other nations around them by being morally pure and by abstaining from unclean practices. There are long lists of what to do and what not to do, signifying the purity of God's holy people and their separation from all that is morally impure or imperfect. However, if you read the Old Testament, it becomes apparent that God's holy people are incapable of keeping to these do's and don'ts. Time and time again, they stray from God. Being holy is not easy. What does this have to do with the holiness of the church today? But this is what the Apostle Peter says about the church in our reading this morning, focusing on verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are a people chosen by God. He chose me and he chose you to become his holy people, his church, set apart from the world. Ephesians 1.4 For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us to be holy before he created the world. We are a royal priesthood. We take up the baton from the Levites. The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes to dwell within us. Our bodies become his temple. 2 Corinthians 6.16 For we are the temple of the living God. The Apostle Paul is saying that our bodies are now God's temple. God dwells within us through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we are set apart or made holy for God, to be a pure dwelling place for God. Just as the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament needed to be holy to host God's presence, so we need to be holy to host God's presence. The people of God, individually and collectively, are the very dwelling place of the Holy God, or as theologian Kent Brower writes, a sort of walking temple. We are a holy nation, Residents of the kingdom of God. This holiness is a gift from God. We are made holy because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are consecrated through his death on the cross, his shedding of blood for our sins. In the Old Testament, the sprinkling of blood of sacrificed animals consecrated the holy places in the tabernacle and then in the temple. In the same way, Jesus' blood is spilt for our consecration to make us holy people, a holy nation. He is indeed the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As it says in Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy and to present her to himself as a radiant church 
without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jesus gave himself up for the church to make the church holy, radiant, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, a fitting holy bride for Christ. Theologian Tom Wright describes this as an act of complete, self-abandoning love. We, the church, are a people belonging to God. We are no longer our own. 1 Corinthians 7.23 You have been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. Jesus gave his life for us so that we might be reconciled to God. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, his Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, to make us pure. Christ lives in us. We belong to God. We, the church, are a people who have received God's mercy. We have been forgiven and washed clean. We have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. God no longer views us as rebellious sinners in need of mercy, but as people who have received his mercy, and we are sinners no more. We are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And this is how God sees us. He sees us as saints, not sinners. According to the Collins English Dictionary, the definition of saints is the collective body of those who are righteous in God's sight. The church, God's chosen people, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, the people belonging to God, the people who have been taken from darkness to light, the people who have received God's mercy and forgiveness are to reflect God's holy nature, to be holy as he is holy. Peter writes, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. To be holy, we need to be made perfect. And this is the process of sanctification. So a bit of theology here. There are three ways in which we are made holy or sanctified as God's people. The moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ as Saviour, we are positionally sanctified or set apart for God. Now, I'm not a theologian, but this still makes sense to me. When we become Christians, we change. We become spiritually alive. Everything is different. We experience some of the otherness of God. Whether this is a small shift in our hearts or thinking or a complete overwhelming of God's peace in us. Our position shifts. I remember experiencing a newness as a new Christian that I still experience today. It hasn't tarnished. I felt a distinct separation or otherness from the world. Then we are progressively sanctified by growing in holiness. This process is ongoing and is a lifetime's work and it's a result of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. So as well as experiencing a sense of newness when I became a Christian, I was also keenly aware of my lack of perfection. That might surprise you. I remember thinking, how can I be a Christian when I'm really not perfect? It was as if a light had been shone on the way I lived, the way I thought, the way I behaved. My conscience was sharpened. The good news is that the Holy Spirit works within us to help us grow in holiness. 
When we submit to the Holy Spirit and allow him to work in our lives, God gives us the power to overcome sin, to become holy instead. We can overcome hurts, habits and hang-ups that we could never overcome on our own. If we allow the Holy Spirit to work within us, we can break destructive habits and cycles that keep pulling us down and keep us from becoming the person God is calling us to be. As I said, this is a lifelong work, so it's not until we die and meet Jesus that we will be perfectly sanctified, made completely like him. In 1 John 3, it says, Dear fathers, now, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Rowan Williams, the last Archbishop of Canterbury, writes, Becoming holy is being taken over by the extraordinariness of God. So back to where I started. How can the church be holy? How is the church set apart? How is the church free from sin? How is the church spiritually pure? The church is holy because God has chosen us to be his holy people and has declared we are holy in his Son. The church is holy because Jesus has washed us clean and made us spiritually pure. The church is holy because the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, individually and collectively, as the people of God, to make us continually holy and free us from the grip of sin. Now the holiness of church is for a purpose. In our passage today, Peter writes that the purpose of the church is that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. As God's people, the church is set apart for a special purpose. Ecclesia is the Greek word for church, and it's used 114 times in the New Testament. It means those who have been called, those who have been summoned together. Church is people who have been called out by Jesus for a special purpose. And this is to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Our vision at St. Giles is that we will be a community of disciples seeking to witness to Jesus and serve him in West Bridgeford and beyond. That we will share the hope we have in Jesus as Saviour and Redeemer. That we will share our praises for God as loving Father, Son and Holy Spirit, who calls us out of darkness into the wonderful light. Be holy as I am holy, says God. Be significantly different from the world around us. Be different as the Israelites were different. Live lives consistent with being called the holy people of God. As Christians, the church, God's holy people, How are we significantly different from the world around us? Theologian John Webster writes, It is in repentance rather than in the the assumption of moral preeminence that holiness is visible. Holiness rests on the foundation of forgiveness and reconciliation. We don't claim to be better than anyone else. We don't claim not to be broken or undamaged as human beings. We don't take the moral high ground. We claim our inheritance as the people of God, made holy through him, because of forgiveness and reconciliation. 
and we seek to love and serve him in humble obedience. Although we are set apart as God's holy people, this doesn't mean that the doors of our hearts should be closed. Conversely, Rowan Williams writes, being holy is being absolutely involved, not being absolutely separated. We look to Jesus as our example. We are made holy through him, and we should do as he did. In radical holiness, Jesus served. He washed feet. He ate with sinners. He had compassion on people and fed them. He healed them, and he prayed for them. This is how we should demonstrate the holiness of the church. In John 13, Jesus said, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus told us to love one another, and this is how we show our difference, our set-apartness, distinguished as God's holy people that we love one another, that we serve each other. Bishop Leslie Newbigin writes, the church is the hermeneutic of the gospel, which basically means that the church is the lens through which the world encounters the gospel. We are judged by our behavior, not our theology. As the church, we should love one another as Jesus loves us. This is what sets us apart, makes us stand out as different from the world around us. Holiness in God's people brings him glory, and when we live holy lives, we reflect God's character of the world. We become lights in a dark world that point the way to our Saviour Jesus. Back to our reading today. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In our service of Holy Communion, the Holy Sacrament that sets us apart as God's holy people, we start by confessing our sins and asking God for forgiveness. We praise him for his glory. We declare our faith in him as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we remember how Jesus died for us, how he shed his blood for us to make us holy and blameless as one body, his holy people. So today, as you come up to the altar to receive the sacrament, to receive the bread and wine, remember that you are made holy through Christ, that you are part of his holy church, and be holy as God is holy. Be holy in all you do, reflecting the nature and character of our loving, holy God. Amen.